Welcome to another edition of ESPN's Formula One podcast. It's been a busy week indeed. Nate Saunders is here with me for this one. And we had some big news today yet again, just to sum up this week. And we've got Danny Ricardo making it official, going to McLaren next year. And Carlos Sainz will be the man to replace Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari. Nate, I mean, it's been a crazy busy morning. Yeah, I mean, we, we wait for driver market news all year. And then two, two or three stories will happen at one, at one time. You know, Vettel's uh, decision not to sign a new contract basically has opened all these doors up for different drivers. And this is kind of what we were talking about at the start of the year, isn't it? We were like, hey, this is going to happen. There's going to be some crazy moves and stuff like that. So, yeah, the grid's going to look a lot different in 2021. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Carlos Sainz, if you'd said even a few weeks ago, even when we were at McLaren at their car launch, if you said, hey, this guy will be at Ferrari next year, you know, it might have sounded pretty crazy. So, um, so yeah, that's come out of the blue. And Danny Rick as well, kind of interesting move for him because I think most people heard the Vettel, Vettel news and mm-hmm. then immediately thought either, you know, I know we had uh, Lenny and Ben on the podcast earlier this week. There was chat of Lewis Hamilton there, which seems very unlikely. It seems like he's going to stay at Mercedes. So the natural guy after that, it was like, well, it's got to be Danny Rick. And obviously he's now gone to McLaren instead. So a lot to talk about and a lot to kind of digest and work out the context of. So, fascinating day i mean my fingers are absolutely like almost bleeding from all the titans <laughs> but yeah uh, very good i was gonna say you've been super busy lawrence our lawrence with a u has been super busy so much so that we had to call on another lawrence lawrence with a w lawrence Barreto, who works for formula1.com just so that he could give us his insight Lawrence, well, thank you so much for joining us. Good to have you on. I mean, it's, it's been a crazy couple of days, definitely, from, you know, Seb Vessel obviously leaving. And now the double whammy of breaking news that we got this morning. Danny Ricardo to McLaren and Carlos signs to Ferrari. I suppose let's just start there with Danny Ricardo. Why, why McLaren then, do you think, and not Ferrari, since he was also heavily linked to Ferrari? Well, I do love a double whammy driver market story to pick <laughs> up, so, so that's pretty good. Um, I think Daniel's grown tired, really, of his time at Renault. He went there and they promised him big things and they just didn't deliver in that first year. And I think that with no racing right now because of the coronavirus, he didn't want to risk not um, making a decision before the season started. And can you imagine if that Renault was no good and it's, he'd already committed his future to them beyond this year? I don't think he wanted to take that risk. And I think he's very, it's, he makes it very clear in his head that he knows what he wants to do going forward and his career isn't going to last for many, many years to come. So he needed to make the right call. And at the moment, McLaren, like the, ne- the best team, they're on the trajectory upwards in terms of the midfield outfits. Yeah, and um, Lawrence, I just finished reading your piece on Ricardo, which I was annoyed because I read and I was like, God, this is better than my one. <laughs> As I told you in the WhatsApp group. Um, what's really interesting about his Renault situation now is that um, I think from what I've heard is he was spun quite a yarn by Renault when he signed there for um, from Red Bull in 2018. We, we all talked about the amount of money that was involved in that as well. But there was a real promise behind that of, you know, Renault's really going in the right direction and they were really meant to do in his mind, what McLaren did last year and kind of established itself as the fourth team. So you could even see in preseason that there was kind of hints that he was like, I don't know what I'm part of here, but it's not really the team going in the same direction. Um, what's fascinating is that Lawrence um, spoke. So I sat next to Lawrence during preseason and you were having your kind of long chats with a lot of the drivers, including Daniel Ricciardo for different features and stuff like that. And it sounds like Ricciardo was quite insightful in terms of what he told you there. And, you know, some of the insights that you gained from, from him then kind of look maybe quite prophetic now in terms of what he's done. 
I think so. It was only when I was rereading the quotes and re-listening to the interview that um, obviously I don't think he knew exactly at the time what he wanted to do, but I think it was clear that he was really considering his future. Um, like Nate says, at testing, it's quite a good opportunity to speak to drivers when they're a little bit more relaxed. It's very rare that we get that chance during the season. And in the <laughs> when is Danny Ricardo not relaxed? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose that is a good point. He's basically yeah. testing, <laughs> testing. He's just lying flat. On the <laughs> Literally, just. <laughs> Um, oh god yeah that's a really good point um i th- i think that um he was even more relaxed than usual should we say mm. and um he was just happy to talk about his future quite openly and he was he's quite clear that he didn't think he'd be around until like 35 um to beyond 35 he's currently 30 so mm. that leaves him five more years daniel showed during testing that he was willing to listen to Renault if um, they could prove that they had a car that was capable of improving this year and then going forwards and that last year was just a blip. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get the opportunity or we haven't yet to see that and he wasn't prepared to wait much longer to see whether Renault could deliver back end of this year because that McLaren opportunity might have gone. Um, we've seen Sebastian Vettel's available. Who knows, McLaren could have gone after him if um, if uh, if they needed someone to replace Carlos Sainz. So I think Daniel just thought, I'd be on the front foot, let's see what I can do. And even at that time, you could see that kind of the thoughts were in his head, what am I going to do about this future? Renault clearly aren't the team for me at the moment and I need to make a, I need to make a step and that step is McLaren. And there's no guarantee of Renault staying in F1 either. Even before the coronavirus pandemic, we were kind of talking about their commitment, maybe not looking 100%. So this situation has probably muddied that even further for him, which is probably was probably on his mind this week. Definitely. I think McLaren are going to be around Formula One forever, aren't they, really? Like, unless they don't exist anymore as a brand. Um, Renault are less certain. I think of all the teams on the grid, maybe apart from Haas, Renault are probably the ones who are most likely to leave. Uh, things have been going downwards for them. Like, they've lost all their engine supplies now. So they next year, they'll just supply their own team. Um they lost their star driver, and I'm not sure who they're going to recruit to replace Daniel Ricciardo next year. Esteban Ocon is a handy driver, but he's not—he's not the kind of star name you want to go to the Renault board and say, "Oh, we've got—you know—we've got this guy." Um, so I guess that would have played a real part in Daniel's decision going forward, especially as we still don't quite know what the 2021 regulations, um, sporting, technical, and financial are going to be, and so that's a huge, huge concern for him. Before we just carry on on, on Danny Rick, because of course can wax lyrical about Danny Rick all day long, but just on that thing, like we were saying, I just spoke to our other Lawrence, Lawrence with a U will call him, <laughs> Lawrence Edmondson, of course, when this news all broke. And one of the questions that we just squeezed in there was the fact that, of course, it's a big Danny Ricardo-sized hole left at Renault. And who's to get it? Of course, he did say Ocon, but there's now this spicy rumor about Fernando Alonso and the romantics will love that because he could go back again where he won and had great memories. Is there any truth to that, guys? Or what do you, what do you even think of that one? I'm interested to hear what Nate's got to say on that one. Ooh, that's great, Nate. <laughs> well, they've, they've, so Renault never missed an opportunity to, to tease things on social media. They're always pretty active on there. Um, and immediately they were kind of, they were straight in on the Alonso bandwagon. And he tweeted back a picture of a grandstand from the Spanish Grand Prix, kind of full of people just dressed in the blue and yellow of Renault, which was the colours, was the light blue and yellow, the colours when he was there winning championships. To me, I think that that would really sum up whether Alonso was serious about why he left Formula One. He left because he didn't, he had no chance of winning a championship. If he came back there, like Lawrence has said, that team doesn't look like it's going to win anytime soon. If he came back, it would purely be, I want the money. I want to get back on the grid. 
you can't see him winning a championship like that. It might be a nice nostalgic move, but unless he's moving to Ferrari, Mercedes or Red Bull at this point, he's not going to win a race. He's not going to win a championship. So I think he's still committed to winning the Indy 500 and doing other things like that. Um, so it's, it's difficult to see. It's a nice one to, to talk about, but, um, but like Lawrence said, unless Renault can go to their board with a guy like Fernando Alonso, you wonder whether they'll, they'll have a reason to keep going because there's not many other guys that command a name like Fernando Alonso or Daniel Ricciardo or whatever. I think it, I think it would be a great story for Formula One if Fernando did come back, and I think, 100%. yeah, and I, and I, so and I agree that he only really wants to come back if he can come in a big team, generally speaking. But then he's also been out for a couple of years, and I wonder how much he's actually missing it. I wonder how much he's missing kind of being that joker, kind of maybe stirring the pot sometimes. You know, just generally having a great time and and having commanding the attention in the way that only a few drivers can actually do. Um, so it's up to Cyril, I guess, to try and convince him in the same way he managed to convince Daniel to join and see if he can kind of entice him over. But I don't, I agree with Nate that I think he's going to go there and there potentially might be the same frustrations he found when he was at McLaren Honda. And we all saw how that one turned out. And I don't think Renault want more grief. I yeah, do love some Cyril, though. And it follows him wherever it goes as well, the grief, Fernando Alonso. It's why, it's, why, it's why his moves are so limited, you know, his options, because he's burnt so many of those bridges that he has gone over before. Just to go back onto the um, Ricardo and Ferrari news, the, the obvious choice in, in inverted commas for Ricardo seemed to be going to Ferrari. He's not gone there. You know, they've gone for Carlos Sainz. I was just looking at their driver lineup now. They've got two wins and 11 podiums between them, which if you think about Ferrari in recent history, having world champions and stuff like that, it's got to be their most inexperienced lineup in recent memory, I can't remember them going into a, into a season like that. What do you make of Carlos Sainz going there, first of all, but also Ricardo not going there and going to McLaren instead? Do you think there was ever much chance for Ricardo to go to Ferrari? Because I, from what I hear, it was pretty unlikely this time around compared to other opportunities he's maybe had to end up there. Yeah, I'd agree, Nate. I think this time round, I don't even think Ferrari was a genuine consideration on both sides. I think he's been linked two or three times in the past. I think 2016, when he was at Red Bull, was the closest that he came. And even then, they never really sat down and there wasn't really a contract in place. I think after that kind of letdown, Ricardo in his heart knew that Ferrari just wasn't going to happen. Um, so that really helped some clarity when he came around to this decision because it wasn't he wouldn't get swept up in kind of the excitement of going to Ferrari. He knew that wasn't a possibility. So he could focus fully on McLaren, a team that clearly wanted him. Zach Brown tried in 2018 for 2019 and didn't didn't succeed and he came back fighting and clearly has offered him a better deal and a more tempting deal this time around the Ferrari thing's a real shame I think because Daniel Ricciardo at that team would be brilliant um, not mm. only in terms of box office driver um, but he off, off the track but he'd be, get on great with Charles Leclerc it, it would be a brilliant partnership but I think he I think there was a risk by taking him that he would disrupt Charles and Charles it clearly is their number one and who yeah. wants to kind of keep it for the future. And they've given him a five-year deal as well. And you don't do that to a yeah. driver that you're not treating as your number one guy. So like you say, that harmony is key. We've seen at Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton alongside Bottas, you know, that dynamic for him just works so well. Perfect. And I think world champions or champions who, who are going to be champions rather um, are always want that they never want to have someone competing with them directly inside the same team they might say they are but they're lying they they just (laughs) want to they want the best opportunity for themselves and I think that I just think that it wasn't really in Charles's interest and Ferrari's interest to put someone so um so radically um challenging and then see next to him 
And Alexis, what do I call Senate. what do I call Carlos Sainz? I'll let you Sun- Sunday Sainz. <laughs> I was going to ask you, what do I call Charles Leclerc? <laughs> Charlotte <laughs> is nobody's number two. He is too lit to be anybody's number two. But that, I mean, I suppose is um, a point that I guess I wanted to ask you guys too on in terms of Danny Rick at McLaren. From what I've seen, of course, especially on social media and Danny Rick fans and whatnot, and just Formula One fans, they do like this pairing. Everyone's all excited about Danny Rick and even Lando Norris, you know, and that dynamic there. So it seems like everything, I know it's early, but it seems like everything is harmonious and it could be in place for him to, to, to get that perfect, I suppose, I don't want to say ending, but on the path to getting what he needs before he decides to call it quits. As Lawrence had said that, you know, he doesn't see him going past 35, which is what, in another five years or so for him. So is this then the perfect fit for, for him at McLaren? I think it's a great fit. I think um, he's going to a team that really want him to be there. And I think for a driver, that's really important. He's alongside a driver, Lando Norris, who is up and coming, but isn't quite there yet. So Daniel should really have the measure of him in that first year as he, as he settles in. And McLaren, of all the teams in the midfield, seem like they're the best place to challenge the top three teams and give him a car that's capable of winning races. And hopefully if they can get the regulation change right with James Keenell very comfortable at the MTC. Um, you'd hope that they could deliver a car that is capable of regularly at least challenging for podiums and maybe on the on day um, a race in the not too distant future. Yeah, and we've got a budget cap coming in as well soon as well, which you know obviously the, the hope is that squeezes people together in terms of the teams. I think it's interesting what you said there about the benchmark for, uh, for Ricardo is now Lando, but if you flip that around as well, what you always get with drivers, you know, signs as, as, as good as he was at points last year, it's always difficult to know with a guy like that just how good the benchmark is that you're measuring Lando against. Because, you know, science had never really been in a race-winning car. He'd driven against Verstappen when they were both at the beginning of their careers. This also gives McLaren a great chance to measure Lando against a proven race winner, a guy who probably in the right car could have challenged for a championship. So in terms of his long-term development, for Lando, I would say being alongside Ricardo is much, much better than being alongside Science just because he'll he'll have that benchmark and he'll know exactly where he is alongside the likes of Hamilton and Verstappen a bit better. I think also that it will make things get a little bit more serious at McLaren. And I know that might sound strange given Ricardo is <laughs> such a character and he's been most entertaining on social media during lockdown. But I do think that Lando's going to have to start taking it slightly more seriously particularly in the way that he carries himself, just because this is the year where he's going to have to prove to McLaren that even if he doesn't beat Daniel, that he, like you were saying, Nate, that he is someone that they can continue to back going forward. And if he can show that, they've invested him so heavily. I don't see why not. Um, he impressed me particularly in qualifying last year. Um, he obviously beat Carlos Sainz in the head-to-heads in that metric, but he wasn't so strong in the races. And I think that's where he's going to need to deliver um, this yeah. time around yeah. because Daniel's just going to be well, on that's- it every- that's where Ricardo is so good, isn't it? You know, seeing those moments to, for a strong result and just kind of almost, it's almost like a switch flicks in his head and he's like, right, I can finish third or second or first here. And he just goes for it or, or, or you know, whatever those targets are in his head. So, yeah, I think that, that'll be fascinating seeing how that works out. He just never gives up, does he? he? And when also when he sees an opportunity and he's unfortunately never had a car which can regularly say give him victory, he knows that when that chance does come, he's just got this incredible ability to take it. All of his wins have been crazy races and they all, or he's had to really yeah. work for them. And I think that, that there's something in that. You don't, you're born with that. And I think that a team like McLaren could really use that as they try to push forward. And just something as well that I wanted to squeeze in because I know, um, 
I know that Lawrence is a busy man today and he's got to hop off very soon. So I just have to squeeze it in, just switching it back to, to Ferrari now. I think one of the comments that Matteo Bonato had said, almost celebrating the fact that having Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc is such a young partnership and, and that's the direction that Ferrari are heading. Um, and Nate and our other Lawrence with a U, we've spoken so many times on this podcast about for all the, you know, bells and whistles and everything that Ferrari has, they really have underperformed, you know, over the last couple of years and they want to be back on the top. So is this kind of Benato just admitting that it is going to take time for Ferrari to get back there to the top to kind of have patience, everyone? We've invested in young people. And how long do you see before this can clicks and possibly they can dominate again? I don't think that Ferrari fans ever really give them much time, regardless of <laughs> I was what say. Say, says. Patience, patience for a Ferrari fan is just waiting till the end of preseason testing. And then, <laughs> and then like, well, we should win a race now. We've been testing for two weeks, you know? That's <laughs> exactly. It's, um, it's an incredible demand in fan base, isn't it? I think. Um, it really is. But they've, I think in that sense, they've often been spurred on in recent times, and that's really helped them, I think, moving forward. Um, I think it helps that the car at the moment, at least based on pre-season testing, isn't that strong. So I don't think they're going to be challenging Mercedes deeply this season. And as the cars are pretty much the same for next year, they're probably not going to be doing the same next year. And I think that will kind of help Carlos ease into his first year at Ferrari. Hopefully, ideally setting both him and Charles up for 2022. They've got to start delivering though, because we talk about this every single year. When is Ferrari going to come back? When are Ferrari yep. going to come back? And there's only so long that, you know, we're going to wait. The fads are going to wait. And so I, if they can't make the new regulation change, then there's got to be serious changes there, I think. I'm fascinated by it because it's the first time we've not seen them have a world champion for a long time. And I think that that alone just brings so much pressure to the team. You know, it's like, you know, Alonso, he won a championship elsewhere so why can't he win one here Vettel won a championship elsewhere why can't he win one here and with signs especially you know I think every good result he has when you compare it to his what he's done so far in his career it's going to look really impressive because he's never had that kind of tool to work with before so just changing that dynamic ever so slightly it might force fans to maybe give them a bit more slack but like Lawrence said that might not be might be that might be optimistic I don't know but um it's harder to give this team the lofty expectations you'd give a team with Vettel in or with Alonso in just purely because they're so young and because they're, relatively speaking, haven't achieved a great deal in their careers yet. I think they already think that Charles Leclerc is a hero. And so, like, <laughs> I <laughs> mean, I think if you win at Monza, you're basically, you're basically a <laughs> hero forever, forever. And you're basically screwed from that point on because if you don't win every race after that, you're nothing. So. It's just a disappointment, isn't it? <laughs> Endless disappointment. Perfect. Before we let Lawrence go this is genuine that the other I, I messaged him the other day and uh so Lawrence and Carlos Sainz have previously made a burger together as part of an F1 feature the other day I had a, a, a very strange weird dream where Lawrence came into the paddock dressed as a pizza chef and had just been making pizzas with Carlos Sainz um so I can't wait to actually see that in real life um next year but I mean that was literally in my head my subconscious saying like yep Carlos Sainz is definitely going to Ferrari that's how I knew so you just knew, yeah, no, you predicted it. I just knew. What well, well I didn't know. My <laughs> <laughs> it's still still counts. Counts. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. But um uh, yeah, so I do wonder whether Carlos is going to move on to pizzas now. He's, I think in an interview he did recently, he said that he loves eating Italian food. So maybe right. we'll try and well. come up with our own, we'll come up with the Carlos Sainz pizza or something. Sounds good, man. I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> Sunday Science Pizza. 
Uh, that's, <laughs> ah, I like it. We've got a name for it already. Oh, Nate, you better copyright that. <laughs> I'm going straight online after this. I'm, I'm getting that <laughs> to be fair, at least Carlos does know that it was you that coined that phrase, and we have it on tape. So there you go. That's what yeah, matters. But Lawrence, thank you so, so very much for joining us. That was absolutely brilliant. Um, lots to talk about this week. We never thought that we would get it, but hey, we're so happy for some breaking news and some juicy news it was indeed this week. We'll let you go. We know you're a busy man and hopefully we get to touch base with you again soon. All right, Lawrence Perez, there from Formula1.com, F1.com. Nate's still here with me, though. Of course, Nate, busy, busy day. And I suppose before we let everyone go, I mean, who do you think who do you think lucked out with the best signing today? Well, on the surface, it's Carlos Sainz, isn't it? You know, he's got the dream move. He's going to Ferrari. Um, he's following in the footsteps of his boyhood hero, Fernando Alonso. So that seems to be the best one. But I don't know. There's something about this Ricardo move. I feel different about it than to Renault. You know, it's, it's, he's obviously waiting. He's obviously in a patient mindset now. And it's pretty fascinating because, you know, it's pretty much all or nothing now on this move. This doesn't come off. You know, as Lawrence was saying, you know, he doesn't want to be in Formula One forever. So it seems like this is it, really. He's got, you know, he, he's, he's kind of hitched himself to whether or not McLaren's successful or not. So that's fascinating in itself. I'm going to, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say Ricardo's made the better move out of the two. You know, science is a tricky situation to go into. A lot of pressure. Um, I hope he does well because, you know, Carlos Sainz is a really nice guy, very, very talented yeah. driver. Um, but then so is Daniel Ricciardo. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I'll say Ricciardo to your to your question. What about you? Who do you think? Oh, Nate. Wow. Well, <laughs> honestly, I, I'm just going to say Daniel Ricciardo as well. I don't know. Something about that move feels, and the word of the day we're going to use is harmonious. I do like it. I know there's a whole Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, that kind of thing going on. But I do love me some Lando and Danny Rick. Cannot wait for the bounce next season just for that. Um, I think it's going to be absolutely brilliant. I have to say, thank goodness you're not writing a Danny Rick book right now either because... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's actually been a joke I've had for about five people. The last time I got a book from Danny Ricardo, he moved the next day. So at least, yeah, that's one less stressful thing. Maybe that's why I feel better about it, actually. This time that's around. why you can finally celebrate <laughs> this. So that's why you feel better about it. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks so much. Nate, always a pleasure chatting with you. I'm sure it won't be the last time, probably even this week. Also, huge thanks to Lawrence Barreto from FormulaOne.com for his thoughts. And finally, thanks to all of you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon on ESPN's Formula One podcast. <laughs>